was bombed relentlessly by Hitler. Psychotherapists predicted that there would need to be multiple um, hospitals and psychotherapists ready to treat numerous cases of shell shock, what they were calling shell shock, the trauma that goes along with uh, a people being bombed. What happened was shocking to many people, and that was that they had almost no cases of shell shock. Um, many people, myself included, would give Winston Churchill some credit for um, energizing within his people a motivation to, as the slogan said, to keep keep calm and carry on. And that's what they did. Because if they went away from their industry there in London, they would have stopped their own war machine and would have quite likely eventually lost the war. They sent children to the countryside to keep them safe. But day after day, people were even reading historical accounts of that. People were saying things like, it's kind of blitzy today. You know, referring to, you know, the blitzkrieg, the, 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 the blitz of bombing that, that happened there in London. But they responded to it in just such an incredible way. I think people, a lot of people were shocked by it and lots of, lots of people have, uh, researched that and talked to a lot of the survivors and there's a lot documented on that and, and I would love to stand up here and talk to you about that for a long time, but that's not my message today. I only, only, only give that illustration to bring into focus what I think God's message is from the Gospel of John. And that is primarily that the Messiah is here. What are you going to do with him? How is the Messiah being here going to affect your life? John is such a rich book. My goodness. I feel so incompetent to stand in front of you and relate ideas about the book of John because it's so precisely written. It's like, I think I could spend the rest of my life with just one idea, one small chapter, to just hone the characters and the message of the book of John down. I mean... John is simple, but it's packed. It's chocked full. I I'm actually have a little anxiety welling up in, in my soul right now just saying, I don't want this introduction to go too long because I've got there's so many things in this passage that need to be uncovered. And John just spent John gave us a magnificent document. And it's 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 polemic meaning that it was, as Moon pointed out masterfully, the purpose of this book, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. That's the thrust of the book of John. That's what he wants to see happen. That's what, um, that's what he's got there. And he's got just layers of things packed in there. So, if you yourself, you know, one one of the messages I want you to walk away from is He is here. And while He's here in the sense that He is the ruler and sovereign of all, He's also here in the book of John. And if you want to know Jesus Christ, these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. And I'm not so naive to not realize that people hear the Gospel message and either open their hearts to it 
or ignore it, or become angered and embittered by it. See it as a threat and a challenge. And I don't need to tell you that because if you read this book, it tells you that over and over and over again. The same thing happens, namely, that the Messiah is here, the Messiah does something with authority from God, and people react in totally different ways. You say, you know, how do, how do, how do, um, siblings come from the same family when they're so different? You know, you can look at families and say, well, this one's this way and that one's that way. The gospel does that to you. The gospel hits people different ways, hits people in families. In fact, the gospel message says that it, it turns a father against his family. Turns a daughter against the, a father. Turns a son against a, 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 um, a, a parent. The gospel is a catalyst that acts. But I think based on the ground, the, the ground that the seed is sown in, it responds in very different ways. It is very different. So anyway, let me quell my anxiety and get to this passage, but let me just throw out a challenge to you before I do that. In this room, we're all good people. Most of us attend church on a regular basis. Most of us have heard the Gospel thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Maybe in this room people have heard the Gospel message a million times. Who are you in this story? Who is your character? There's a lot of good, there's a lot of interesting characters in this story. Let's go to the, to the, the Gospel of John. Let's let him tell it. The first, um, first 18 verses establish that Jesus is God. And Jesus is also a different person from God the Father. Jesus was from the beginning, but He was very God. In ages past, some people have struggled with Jesus' manhood. Some people have struggled with Jesus' deity. But John firmly establishes in these first few verses that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling place among us. In, in, in verse 19, let's pick up this, this passage. And this is the testimony of John. Got to stop. Testimony. Why is that important? When you're establishing a fact, you've got to have testimony. If you're establishing something and the thing that he's establishing is Jesus is God, Jesus is God come in the flesh, you've got to establish that fact. What you need are witnesses. You need testimony. You need eyewitnesses. So who does he draw from to get this testimony? Now again, just not to be confused, this is a book written by the Apostle John. And the person that he's talking about here is who we refer to as John the Baptist. So, he goes first to get a testimony. And just interestingly enough, if you look back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, um, chapter 19, how many witnesses must there be to convict somebody of a capital crime? In the mouths of two or three witnesses. So look how he establishes that thought through this book. He's writing to convince you 
that this that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so the first thing, first place he starts is with testimony. And the testimony is from John. And again, I just love the characters in this book. John, the Baptist. What did he look like? He said that he he was a... Well, let's just review some facts about John. Number one, he was born to parents that there is no reasonable way he could have conceived. And this didn't happen in a stable someplace. The high priest of that year saw an angel vision and couldn't talk. Can you imagine a high priest after finishing his priestly duties coming out and going, and I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he hurried away. They had seen, you know, I don't know exactly how that, that played out, but but they, he had seen a vision of God. So everybody in Jerusalem would know that was the guy that saw an angel. That was the high priest. God spoke to that family. We, we ought to watch them. Of course, we know that he basically was a Nazarite from birth, took a Nazarite vow, which means he didn't cut his hair. His mother didn't drink any wine. He didn't drink any wine, which everybody drank wine. It was, you know, you would really stand out if you were somebody who never took a sip of wine in a society like that. And plus the fact that you never cut your hair. I don't know if you've, I can't see anybody in this room that's never cut their hair. Um, I, you know, I guess I wonder, you know, how much hair could grow? And I, just for you kids too, and just think about this. I don't think it's like Tangled, you know, the movie Tangled, where the girl has the beautiful hair that's you know combed very pretty, and and um, you know it's kind of falling along behind her, and it's like two miles long. The Rapunzel character, but I mean, this guy has got hair and hair everywhere, and he's dressed with. Camels, a camel coat. He eats locust and wild honey. Locust is not in my meditarian diet, but locust is what you would commonly think of as bug. Although probably very rich in protein, a lot of carbohydrates from the honey. Maybe, maybe that's my book. <laughs> the John the Baptist Diet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's also like fasting. But, you know, John the Baptist stands out. And, and he stands out if you, and I won't take the time to do this. I want to just kind of tell you these things, but just to remind you probably. But um, who else is dressed like this? You know, who wears these kind of coats? People who are prophets. Elijah. They wore that. You know, Elijah had the the prophet school. And I don't know, I don't think that's exactly what's going on at Appalachian Bible College. No offense to them at all, but but you know he he trained prophets. He had a school, and and I don't think he was like asking for money for the building fund. You know he's like, you know, I don't know how they did it exactly, but he experienced God, and 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 communicated with God, and taught other people to to come into that life of a prophet. That's Elijah, John the Baptist. Looks like Elijah. So then what does he do? Maybe I should read the passage. So then what does he do? 
And this is the testimony of John. Oh, I can't quit talking about John for just a second. What did Jesus say about John? Do you remember what Jesus said about John? He said, this is the greatest man who ever lived. There is nobody that holds a candle to John the Baptist. Jesus. You know, we all like Simon Peter and we think he's cool. Jesus called him Satan and called John the Baptist the greatest person that's ever lived. Now, I'm not really running down Simon Peter, but I mean, for Jesus to be that invested in an individual, he, this was a great man. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews, again, I gotta stop, because this is a story and you gotta understand the back, the back story here. The Jews is a term that he uses in the book of John 70 times. And when he's saying the Jews, what he means is the religious establishment. That's what he means. The leadership, the government of the Jewish people, when he's saying the Jews. And again, in this story, every time he mentions the Jews, there should be some kind of theme music that's like, bum, 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 or something. You know, when you hear the Jews, you should be like, ooh, there's the bad guy. You know, or, ooh, that, that's, that's the people who are going to oppose him. Ooh, that's the enemy. Because, as we'll see in this story, they do nothing but oppose him. Because they're invested in their power. They're senators. What are equivalent to senators? They're delegates. They're, they've been established. They're working alongside with the government of, of Herod, especially the Sadducees. Again, let's explain these just a minute. You've got, you've got Pharisees, which we're going to talk about today, who are the religious elite. They're serious about the Bible. They study the Bible. In fact, those are the ones that have been to Bible college. Those are the ones who, who love the Bible. They love the Torah. They, they, they memorize it. They can tell you every instance in the Bible, in the, in the Old Testament scriptures and prophets of every animal that's mentioned. They can, they just have this magnificent recall to go through the Pharisaical school. You've got to know your stuff. So they're the serious, they're the serious minded religious folk. The Sadducees are probably put in place by Herod. So I'm guessing more political, less religious. Um, we're going to mention priests in this story. Let me just read it. Be excited about these characters. The Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. So here you see what's going on. The establishment, Pharisees, Sadducees, sent priests and Levites. And think about Levites, it's a whole tribe of people. These are not necessarily pious, they are respected as belonging to the priesthood. People from the Levite clan that are of the family of Aaron that could actually do the, um, the, the, the temple worship. So you've got priests, and you've also got Levites. You've got men, women, children that are all Levites. And they farm the land. They stop at the hardware store and talk. They're people that, that people know. They're kind of foot soldiers from the religious elite. You know, so a senator doesn't go out to the wilderness to question him, he sends one of his footmen. Um, maybe even there might even be palace guards in there, or the guy, you know, the janitor that takes out, you know, the, the, the trash at the at the temple. Those could be Levites. So priests and Levites sent by the Jews. Dun dun dun. from Jerusalem to ask Him. 
And again, where is he? He is, he is in, we, we find out later, he's in Bethany. Now, you know where Bethany is, it's close to Jerusalem, right? That's not the Bethany he's talking about. He's talking about the Bethany that's across on the other side of the Jordan River. It's about 26 miles, you know, it's outside of town. It's on the other side of the tracks. It's in a barren place. But, where is everybody? They're outside of town in the barren place because this is John the Baptist. And he is baptizing. It's not John the Presbyterian. It's John the Baptist. He's all the way under, all the way up. Um, but he's preaching a message of repentance out in this desert land, but people are flocking to him. And they're being baptized. So anyway, back to our story here. Who are you? Is the question that was put in there dun, 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 from the Jews through um, the priests and the Levites. And, he's, and he had, had specific questions. And, and listen, look, listen for all the threes in here. I'm not a real numbers guy, but there's just threes all over the place in this passage. Um, there's three days, and anyway. Um, he says, Who are you? And John replied to him, he confessed, and listen to John's words here, and we don't, let me just, let me just, uh, spoiler alert here, we don't understand the way, the, the sentence structure that John was using. Had we been Jewish, we would probably understand the way he responded, the way John responded here. But listen to this, listen, it sounds weird to us, and just notice that it sounds weird, and I'll tell you why it's weird, but, um, he confessed, and did not deny, but confessed. That's kind of a weird way of saying that. And and and, and what that you know what the language there uh, that you're, you you would understand if you were Jewish is he is adamantly vehemently denying to be the Christ. So I think it loses something when it comes over to English. But they, when they asked him, "Who are they?" The implication of their question was. You're the Christ. Who do you think you are? You want, you say, go ahead and say it in front of all these people that you're the Messiah. Because the Jews were looking for the Messiah, right? This triumphant king. This person that was going to throw off Rome and lead to a new Zionistic kingdom. It's been predicted in the prophets. So they're looking for this guy. So, the priests don't go, or the Pharisees and Sadducees don't go out there themselves, but they send somebody. And the first question is, you're the Messiah, aren't you? Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So they asked him then. So they, and then they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Why Elijah? I've already made some reference to Elijah. Why would he make Elijah? Because he looks like Elijah. He's obviously a prophet. And what's the promise from Malachi? Remember the promise from the last prophet in Malachi? That before the Messiah comes, the prophet Elijah's coming. So they, that, that's in their question. See, these are studied questions. These are good questions. Are you the Christ? Are you then you must be Elijah. Are you Elijah? Because we know that Elijah's got to come first. And just as a side note, that, that's, that whole issue is a little bit confusing to me. But Because Jesus said He is the Elijah to come later. But, but I think we need to understand that, that John came in the spirit of Elijah. He came like Elijah, but he wasn't Elijah. And they were asking him a didactic question and he was responding in kind. No, I am not. He didn't, this wasn't fertile soil for him to express the full nature of the gospel. They weren't asking him, as somebody will later on, where are you staying? 
which implies I gotta know more. They're standing there with their questions saying, Who are you? And really, I didn't tell you this, but the implication is, in our language, who do you think you are? That's that's really if we if we brought that over to our language, they're like, Who do you think you are? I and he denied he confessed and, and, and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? And if you look in in Deuteronomy, and and again, I'm not going to read that, just but if you look in Deuteronomy, the prophet is promised to come. Um, and if you if you if you track all those verses down, you can see that in the book of Acts, Peter in his sermon, and even Stephen in his sermon, mention that the prophet everybody was looking for was Jesus. So they were looking, they were asking him, Christ, Elijah, the forerunner of the Christ, um, the prophet, who also it's it's an implication that, that he may be the Messiah. But he said no. And he answered no. So they said to him, Who do you think you are? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Okay, listen. So you're not going to answer our questions. Let me just ask you an open-ended question. Because we got to tell something back to Dun, dun, dun. the Jews, because they're our bosses and they're not liking what you've said so far and they're not going to like it when I come back and say he's not the Messiah, not the Christ, not Elijah. Because they're going to be asking me like, well, who is he? And they're going to be like, I don't know. and they don't want to do that. So they're saying, um, give a, get, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Let me take away all questions. You just tell me. And what does he do? Miraculously, he says, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. And that, as they knew, and as the Pharisees knew, was a reference um, from Isaiah. And he even tells them that. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Which, where is he? One crying out in the wilderness. But he calls himself a voice. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah said. So, in his humility, in his understanding of the Gospel, he's saying, I'm not a big deal. But I just want you to understand, he is a big deal. Everybody is tweeting about him. He says something that's kind of weird. Everybody says, "Well, I believe this." Well, I'm with John, and you know, I'm not with John, and it's this, it's a Twitter nightmare. You know, I mean, it's everybody's talking about it. I don't know if you can think of anything like that that's ever happened, but um, this is what's happening in that country. People are just leaving their jobs. They're going out in the wilderness. You know, husbands are are, are not working. They're out there in the wilderness, and you know what he's doing? Oh, this is crazy. This comes into the store. I'll just go ahead and tell you. He's out there baptizing people. Now, let me ask you a question. Who needs baptism? If you're a Jew, who needs baptized? You just need, if you're a Jew, what do you do? You just kind of pour some water over your hands and it drips down, and you're clean, buddy. I mean, that's the Jewish. You know who has to be baptized? Gentiles, proselytes, people who are outside of the faith. So he is doing this ritual baptism to Jews saying that they need to be in the Jewish nation. What? But people are just coming and they they are loving it. There's this huge crowd. 
And of course, in a crowd, you're going to have sincere seekers, which we'll see later. You're going to have people that are just there for the controversy. Well, I think that John's robe is a little too long. He needs a real good barber. And they're just kind of there to, to enjoy the circus of somebody saying something that sounds outrageous and so everybody's talking about it. So they just got to keep on talking about it. And so they're just there. There's just a crowd. Hey, there's free food over here. You know, so they're like, they're never planning on buying a card, but a car, but they go to the car lot. They eat the hot dogs. You know, they stand around and listen to the music. They don't want to buy the car. They're not serious seekers. You have those in every crowd. So, so right now on day one though, back to the story, sorry. Back to the story. On day one, he's talking to the Jews, dun, 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 representative. So the way he's answering is, no, I'm not the cross. I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not the prophet. See that? Real short answers. Not really giving a lot. Okay, I'll give you something. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Messiah. Make straight for the way of the Lord. If you look at that passage too, you know, he's talking about moving mountains, um, building up places that are valleys, and making a path. And he's not talking about a construction project a la Herod, like Herod has done all over the place. He's not talking about that kind of a construction project. He's talking straight to their heart. And he says, you need to humble yourself with Isaiah's message. You need to accept Isaiah's message and straighten out your heart then you'll understand the voice of one crying in the desert. So he's responding to these people. That's day one. That's kind of his response to the Jews. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. We understand. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither... Who do you think you are? Why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, we don't understand. They know the implication. Only Gentiles need to be dunked. But John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not unworthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So his message to the Jews was the Christ is here. Water, you're missing the point. Because look look what they're, they're worried about. They're worried about authority. They're worried about power. If it, because if you're out here baptizing people, if you're making Jewish people become proselytized into the Jewish, what are you doing? Who, who do you think you are? He says, I'm baptizing, you're missing it. I'm baptizing with water, but the one that's here will baptize with fire. Real stuff. This is real stuff here. That's the one you need to be afraid of. That's the one you need to figure out. Not me. I'm not, I'm not the one. I'm just coming, calling witness, testimony to the one. He's here. Now, he wasn't there geographically, probably. In fact, he, John had baptized him about 40 days earlier. So where was Jesus right now while this conversation is going on? He's walking from his temptation. He's starting his journey. He's walking on probably on day one here. But he's, he wasn't saying he was present in this crowd. He was saying he's here. He's among us. And I don't know how much John knew when you're kind of a prophet kind of person. You may know a lot more. You may have known something about what where Jesus was and that He was going to be here tomorrow. I, I don't know that He knew that or didn't. 
But, but I think he was given a sign. We'll see that in a minute. I guess I'll just read the story. Sorry. John's point, let me just make this point real quick. John's point was authority is coming. Someone greater than me. You think I'm the deal? I'm not the deal. He's the deal. You need to look for him. And you need to get your stuff together. Make a straight path in your heart for the Messiah to travel on. That was his message. And it's one of humility. It's, it rings with the, I must decrease, he must increase. It rings with the 40 days that he's been thinking about this himself. I, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus is like, this is what we've got to do. So let's get into that testimony here in the the second section. The next day, again, we're separating by days, He saw Jesus coming toward Him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. What? What? Messiah, King, Ruler, throw-off of Roman oppression, Lamb? Excuse me. Lamb? This message is to the crowd. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the Jewish people. Not gets rid of the Romans. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Now, if any historian was there, they knew about the birth of John was six months before the birth of Jesus He was before me? He is saying, this is God. This is the Almighty, eternal God by that statement. He ranks before me because He was before me. Then He admits in true humble fashion, like we'll see from John, I myself did not know Him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that He might be revealed to Israel. And listen to the legal terms here. And John bore witness. I saw this firsthand. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on Him. I myself did not, and he goes out of his way to explain this again. I myself did not know him, admits that again, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, so he got some kind of supernatural revelation as prophets do, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, just 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 as a side note here, it says that the he saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove, and you can't go anywhere without seeing symbols of doves to represent the Holy Spirit. I don't think the Holy Spirit looked like a dove. Number one, um, but the way the Spirit came down on him was like, you know, you see a dove. I mean, some of you hunters could probably. Um, tell me more about that than I do, but you know, it, it somehow kind of hovered down. I don't know. Maybe it was with fire. Maybe it came down. Maybe there was a big fire that came down, and and a and a and a, a, a little clove of fire just was over top of his head. That's what happened in the book of Acts. You know, it was this mighty rushing sound, and then there were fire all over everybody's head. I'm not saying that. 
That's what happened. But again, just hear the, hear the language. It was like a dove. But anyhow, John, the prophet that everybody knew, that everybody understood, talked to God, miraculous birth, no way he could have been born, humblest guy in the world. Um, he's not part of the establishment, but everybody goes to see him. He said he saw the Spirit ascending on him and remaining. I don't know that everybody saw that, but John saw it. I myself did not know him. I didn't know. I've been, you know, I've been out here preaching when I should have been at the barber shop. You know, I, I, you know, that's. I don't mean to be disrespectful to John the Baptist, but he, um, he didn't know who it was until he wasn't sure. And we'll see later. He even had some more questions. Which, by the way, it's okay to have questions. Are you doubting your salvation? Shame on you. Are you doubting that Jesus is really the truth? Shame on you. Feel guilty. Did you not listen to the Lord's table? Feel guilty and shame and stuff like that. No. <coughs> the message is, you're going to have questions. What are you going to do with those questions? Are you going to be a part of the crowd? Or are you going to be part of the dun dun dun, the Jews? Because the Jews in this book, let me just tell you this, they're enraged by him, and they want to kill him for most of this book. And you know what they do at the end of this book? They kill him. Is the gospel embittering you? Are you that person? Where the claims of Christ are embittering you more and more as the years go on? I'm going to tell you, it messes with you. Because at some point, you've got to go like this. La 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 la. I'm not listening to the truth. And if you don't believe that, go on Facebook and see what people are posting. Because you have to aggressively kill the truth. You can't just like let it stay there. You've got to like fight it. Because your own conscious. You got, you know, you get, you look up and see a sunset in the morning and you say, oh, thank the Big Bang. No. You gotta actively fight that thing. You gotta kill that truth in your life. And that's what they're doing. That's what, dun, 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 the Jews are doing. They're actively killing that truth. I hope you're not there in that crowd. But again, I'm not so naive to not think somebody that's going like this, oh yes, oh yes, that's true, cannot be that way in their heart. We can turn our hearts hard toward the Gospel message. I saw the Spirit ascend on Him like a dove, and it remained on Him. I myself did not know Him, but He who sent Me to baptize with water said to Me, He on whom the Spirit descends and remains, this is the one that baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is to the crowd. This is what our lives must be about. We must be about telling the crowd that we live among the Gospel. We don't have to share the Romans road, although the Romans road is fine. Read the book of Romans. But I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. There's this great book that was written by John that says these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, but by believing you might have life in His name. That might be a good book for somebody that's seriously considering it. So, just an idea. But it's we're talking to the crowd. If you're a believer, if you're somebody who has apprehended the claims of Christ, if the Gospel has taken over your life, if Jesus has taken residence, then we need to be speaking to the crowd. But again, in a room this size, how many people are just in the crowd in this room? I'd say there's a good chance there's a lot of us that are kind of Christians and kind of you know, we think that's good. We know we go and eat the free hot dogs and, you know, listen to the music. You know, hey, this guy is, he's making bread today. 
Fish. Come on. Tell your friends. Free food. I guarantee in a room this size, we got the crowd in here. Examine the claims of Christ closely. I'm not Him. But look. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The only thing that will rescue you, Christian child, from a Christian home, the only thing that will rescue you, the only thing, is if you look to the Lamb of God. And you can't do it because your dad did it or do it because your mom did it. You've got to look yourself. Or you're just part of the crowd. Just eating the hot dogs. And, 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 and this book and the other Gospels are full of people who benefit from the shade of the tree. There's animals that take residence. You know, you can benefit. Your life can be improved upon by following Christian principles. It can't. But the Gospel, the Lamb of God, is the important part. So don't leave yourself in the crowd. Now let's go to the third day. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. Not even talking, by the way. Just interesting author's note there. Um, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard Him say this, and they followed Jesus. What a crime. John's losing his followers, right? He had a crowd. He did something so audacious that he drew the attention of CNN and people are camped out in front telling about you know, all the things that he's done and what he's saying and how crazy he is and they're analyzing it. But he's losing disciples to this guy. Oh no, right? Jesus turned and saw them following. And He said to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? So let me just say this to you guys who would put yourself in this, in this story as one of these disciples. Jesus is going to ask you, what are you seeking? Are you seeking the little bit nicer house? Um, the little bit uh, better wardrobe? The little bit better paying job? You think Christianity's got something that, you know, you kind of, you want to hold on to a piece of God there. He says, what are you seeking? Listen to the way they respond to Him. And they say to Him, Rabbi. And He doesn't want any, the author doesn't want anybody to miss that. Which I think is neat too. It's just a John, Johnism here. The author says, he says, Rabbi. Which means teacher. He's of the priestly line. Um, Jesus is. But they're identifying Him as somebody who is a teacher that will have followers. And they ask Him, where are you staying? Not, where are you going to be speaking next month? I'd like to come in, you know, if we got some time, I'd like to kind of bring the wife and kids this time. You put on a great show. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk to you maybe a little bit. No, He's, where are you staying? I want to follow you. I want to give you everything. I want to listen to every word that drips from your mouth. What does Jesus say to him? Come, and you'll see. By the way, if you want to be in this third group, true disciples, you'll ask Jesus where He's staying. You'll be in this Word all the time. You'll put yourself around people that love this Word. You'll follow people. You'll follow rabbis. You will. Your books that you read, um, the things that you listen to will reflect this intense desire to know Jesus Christ. Come and you'll see. So, they came and saw where He was staying. 
and stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It's getting late, and they stayed with him anyhow. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother Simon, saying to him, we found the Messiah. Anyway, I'm getting into the next week's message here, but let me, let me just say, they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with Jesus. And the next few passages is going to tell how they, how Jesus called certain people to himself and how they came. So, let's just review. If you're not interested in the gospel, this is what you're going to hear. No. No, I'm not. Huh. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You better get your heart right. But I'm not even going to tell you that clearly. I'm going to say things like, you got to fill in the gullies and knock down the mountains and make a straight path. Get your life straight. That's what you're going to hear. If you're in the crowd, you're going to hear, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If you're a disciple, you're going to hear Him say, follow Me. And you're going to go. Great story. I love the story. These things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. Don't assume that you're a follower. Ask Jesus where He's staying. And they came. Father, thank You for this testimony, this first-hand account, this eyewitness account that John makes of one of the greatest people, maybe the greatest person outside of Your Son that's ever lived. John the Baptist brought in the expert witness on Jesus. May we learn from this story that's recorded for the purpose of us being challenged to the core with the Gospel message. And may, Father, we not assume that we're in the disciple group by just being in the crowd. Father, may we answer people who are adamantly opposed to Your Gospel. May we clearly address the crowd Look, here's the Lamb of God. May we be devoted to following You and following other people that look for the Messiah. You've already came. You have been the spotless Lamb. You are coming back. And this time, we know for sure it will be His King. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly.